Cause we're the Houston Oilers Houston Oilers Houston Oilers number one Yes, we're the Houston Oilers Houston Oilers Houston Oilers Everyone, you're listening to Battle Red Radio. I'm Matt Weston, and on this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Rivers McCown and Tim, the big man himself, to continue the conversation we had in part one, discussing the past, the present, and the future of the Houston Texans. But in this one, we divulge more into the sickness we have with just being a Houston Texans fan. So, without further ado, Here's the second part of our previous conversation. No, man, I have lots of big thoughts and opinions, but I, I, I don't think we need to end the show. I'm having a good time. What is it, 10, 12? Um, we, we can keep going. I think that the better part would be, Weston, what is the most embarrassing thing that you've ever written on Battle Red Blog? Oh. The thing that you, the thing that you regret the most. Uh, give, me a, give me a sec. I'm sure I can think of something. Um, Rivers, I, I want, I, I'd like to ask you the same thing. And I won't limit it to Battle Red Blog, though, because you're a professional writer. So what would you say is the most embarrassing thing that you've written for public consumption? Man, that's a good question. There are some real stinkers out there for sure. Absolutely. Mm. I think I think the thing the first thing that pops up in my head is um I one time was tasked with writing the AFC championship preview at Football Outsiders between the, the, the year that Denver won the Super Bowl, between Denver and New England. And I was so, so in the tank for New England in that preview. It wasn't even funny. And the, Brock Osweiler, thing, the Brock Osweiler year. Yes, the, the year he, Peyton Manning was barely yep. alive. And, yes, and yes. I was so in the tank for the Patriots in that game. And that preview today, if you read it back, you'd be like, what was this guy thinking? <laughs> you know, I think for me, I think I wrote some mean things about Jonathan Joseph in 2014. That was what jumped to mind for me was you burying Jonathan Joseph, claiming he was dead. Yeah, and him yeah, literally hand, hand came through the dirt to say, no, no, not yet. Yeah, and there was a lot of rhetoric involved, and I don't know. that was Because Mike Evans just, like, torched him. I didn't think about how good Mike Evans is. And, yeah, you want to play eight yards off of him, you know. <laughs> and they still won that game and held Jameis Winston to, like, nine points his rookie year. But probably that. Uh, like you mentioned, like, I'm usually, like, I'm always just, like, two years ahead of my time. But in that case, I was probably four years ahead of my time regarding Jonathan Joseph. Right. Well, you're a hater. It's not your fault. It's just how you're wired. Yeah, I got this black charred heart from... For me, I think it was the 2013 season, though. I was so excited for that year, and uh, everybody was. Man, I was so. Everybody was. Yeah, it was my first year writing for this website too, and all that. And I was so excited, and then uh, and everything fell apart, and you know, and so many other things. And uh, after that, I think that's what kind of ruined me, you know. 2013 was DeAndre Hopkins rookie season. Yeah, that Titans game week two was like his coming out yep. party that game. Yup, yup, yup. Him and Andre Johnson, and now. Uh, Will Fuller, uh, Randall Cobb, and uh, Brandon Cooks. Kenny Stills. So, DeAndre uh, Carter. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Die Andre Carter. Duh, DeAndre Carter. I, I think one of my favorite things is every time my dad sees uh, DeAndre Carter on the television screen, uh, back to return a punt, he says, What is he still doing <laughs> on this team? <laughs> and I don't have a good answer. I don't have a good answer. I, I, it's. It is amazing to me that uh, the Houston Texans are still paying DeAndre Carter to play football for them. Resign and play football for him too. It's amazing to me. Amazing to me. I mean, I and and you know, I I, I feel like you know watching Jacoby Jones back there, and you just kind of always knew that something really, really bad could happen. It's the exact same deal with DeAndre Carter. The exact same thing where you just sort of expect the worst every time he's back there. I looked this up actually, and so I think he's at coming into this bye week. He has 47 career returns for the Texans, including the playoffs, and he has fumbled eight times. Even Tyler Irvin's better than that. That's like 
it's, it's, it's like literally saying, okay, we're going to force four punts. DeAndre Carter will fumble one of them. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And I'll never, I'll never forget that Chiefs one just because the camera angle flipped, where they turned to like a found footage horror movie, and it was the Blair Witch Project with the spider cam just zooming on DeAndre Carter, and he gets hit and fumbles, and that was kind of it after that. And they decided to not just, you know, uh, let us con- – they, they decided to sign him to a new deal to play football for them to return punts after that. I mean, it's just I – mean, let me ask you, the guy, I, it, it, objectively speaking, Bill O'Brien's management of this team since Brian Gain was fired set this franchise back how many years? Three. Weston? Uh, I would say, yeah, I would say something like that. Do you think? Do you think it was Gaines' fault, or do you think it was O'Brien's fault? Like, what? What do you think was going on with that relationship there, though? Because I don't even know. I can't even sit here and say Game was terrible if him and O'Brien were working together and how that whole thing played out. You know, like I don't know how much of the responsibility was him. For they were like, yeah, we'll just have Sancho Henderson try start right tackle again. You know, I, I wonder how much of it was uh, what happened in the draft, and and we'll never know. When they got uh, out Waterburger for Andre Dillard, uh, I guess, and the Eagles jumped ahead of him, and, and presumably that was everything I, you know, that, that you, you hear is that Andre Dillard was the Texans guy, and then they got jumped, and they ended up taking Titus Howard, and then I think sort of just the way that free agency was handled after that, mm-hmm. I wonder how much of that was was Bill O'Brien just, you know, deciding he was going to separate himself from Brian Gain, who who by all accounts was this handpick guy. How much of that was, I'm going to separate, this is the fall guy, I'm going to go ahead and burn him, and he saw that there was a vacuum and stepped up, and now we're, we're I mean, we're, we're where we are. I, I think I think it's at least a two-year setback, maybe three years, because we look at the deals that, that O'Brien signed, and this is the thing that's so frustrating about it is, like, there there is not another team, I don't think, that pays Whitney Merciless what he got from the Texans. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's another team that pays Kaimi Fairbairn what he got from the Texans. God, I don't think there's another terrible. team that pays Nick Martin <laughs> what he got from the Texans. I don't think there's another team that pays Randall Cobb what he got from the Texans. I don't think there's another <laughs> team that pays Eric Murray what he got from the Texans. And so you kind of look at it and you go, oh, sorry, there is not another team that pays Laramie Tunsil what he got from the Texans. Bill O'Brien got out negotiated by Larry Tun- Laramie Tunsil without an agent, and we just saw proof of that with the deal that Ronnie Stanley signed with the Ravens. I mean, just again, it's amazing to me how if you were a Bill O'Brien guy, you got taken care of above and beyond what any other team would give you. Not just not just uh, you know what the market bears, but literally above and beyond what any reasonable value would be put on you by another team. And yet, you know, if you were Bill O'Brien guy, that that's what happened. And so here we are in a world where the Texans are are uh, are paying these guys just an insane amount. Eric Murray, Eric Murray. Let, let's makes, let's 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 not forget that Laramie Tunsil fired his agent yes. because he was that sure that he could have <laughs> Waterburger those two at the table. Yep, he knew he knew exactly what he Laramie Tunsil whose stock in the draft once dropped because there was a picture of him in a bong mask, said, looked at this and said, I'm going to be able to outwit Bill O'Brien. That's where we are. That's the American dream right there. You know, God bless him. I, and, I, and, and, and that's the thing is like I, have, I bear no ill will towards any of these guys or any of their representatives. Go out and maximize every last dollar you can get. But unfortunately, we are rooting for a team that decided that paying Eric Murray, Eric Murray, Eric Murray, <laughs> the money that he is making, was a sound business decision. I mean, it's just it's it's staggering. So I I think it's at least a two year setback, maybe three. And if we weren't blessed enough to have Deshaun Watson, it's probably a five to seven year setback. Mm-hmm. Well, in the precursor, in the precursor, I think, I think there's too. an untold story here where you have. You have Easterby come in, and it's March, what was it, 2019? And up until then, I think Bill O'Brien's management decisions have been, I wouldn't say great, but I mean, they were at least sound relative to value. And I think Jack Easterby, using that little, that little, 
the little like, puppet voice that he uses sometimes where he's just trying to encourage you to get the best out of yourself, look inside <laughs> yourself. And I think Bill O'Brien looked inside of himself with his encouragement and saw that he too could build the worst team possible around Deshaun Watson. And he how, just how embraced much, that and, and went with it. How I mean, and I guess we get a little bit more distance from it. We'll see when the, the new guys come in. But, I mean, how big of a deal was it that Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby managed to convince the McNairs, Cal McNair, to fire their general manager because they thought they could go get someone who was under contract with the Patriots? Their general in. manager who had signed an extension – like seven months ago. Well, it's, 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 I mean, that, that I think, and I think we all kind of watched it and said, this is sort of Keystone cops. This is a joke. The entire thing was a slow motion car wreck, but we sit there and we say, I mean, like they really sold the fire Brian Gaines. So we can go get Nick Casario. They did not get Nick Casario. Not only did they not get him, they basically withdrew. They, they they got made fools of publicly with tampering charges being filed against them because of their completely ham-handed way of handling that. I mean, it's it's. I think again when we were watching it, we were going, "This is terrible," and now we sit here a year and a half later, and this is our life. This is <laughs> this is this is this is this is what we're dealing with. Bill O'Brien essentially submarine the entire franchise. By convincing him and Jack Easterby, convincing Cal McNair they could go get Nick Casario. And that's why they fired Brian Gain. And it's just, I mean, I'm just, I, I again, I, there's not enough whiskey in the world. Yeah, there's definitely some sort of like NPR investigative journalist podcast there to investigate, you know, Jack Easterby's uh, existence and the creation of him and how he came here and everything else that happened after that. But I do think you're right with that, Tim. Like, I think the game firing was just like O'Brien seeing the roster and being like, okay, I need to do this to distance myself. And then they were very fortunate after going 0-3 by playing a bunch of teams who couldn't throw the ball or run the football but have run the ball because they it was the uh, least scary option and ran up against an all-time great run defense over and over again that year and just let ball, uh, Deshaun Watson play ball control. But that was a season two where Blaine Gabbard beat Houston week two, probably thanks to a fake punt, but uh, – yeah, that was the entire just kind of like disaster for those first few weeks, and they ended up pulling their way out of it, though, anyways. I was there for that game. <laughs> they punt. And I remember watching it live going, what is happening? And just, it just like, why is no one, why is no one lined up over there? I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was, it was it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing to sit back and look at it like, I hope that one day we're able to look back on all of it and laugh because they won a Super Bowl or, or two or three because Deshaun Watson was here. But, I mean, we have decided to devote – I don't even want to count – an inordinate amount of our time to this team that is led by uh, people who objectively are bad at their jobs. Yeah, My favorite part about that story is that you're describing the guy coming out for the punt – and being uncovered. And I'm, in my mind, imagining Chris Johnson out there, out wide, completely yep. uncovered yep. earlier in Texans mm -hmm. lore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's it's amazing to me. Like I've said it before, but like being a Texans fan and, and devoting your time and energy to this, it, 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 there's, it, it's, just, it's not even just Texans fandom, it's sports in general. Being this involved, watching this team that let this 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 thing that lets you down over and over again, without any real chance of, of having a, a sort of a, a a chance to recoup the energy that you put into it, it's like watching a family member make the bad same bad choice over and over again, and yet still being there for them. It's staggering, and yet every <laughs> year, every year here we are, sign us up. And, and the thing is, is that every, especially now we can feel good about it every year because we have a franchise quarterback which realistically means that your floor is much higher than it would be otherwise. And if things go your way, who knows? Yeah, I really think that kind of brings everything full circle. Start off being very you know, negative and then come back and be negative and somehow, somehow find like some positive glint you know, of gold in the turd to, because of the fact that Deshaun Watson's still here and you know, it all could still eventually be okay again you know, within the span of a year. That's the thing is having Deshaun gives us all hope. And because we've we've rooted for years and years hoping to get a guy like Deshaun 
even though the rest of the roster was, was frankly, if not supremely, at least very, very significantly talented. We never had the quarterback. Now we've, we've got that guy, and the rest of the roster has, has gone to pot. It's just, But having that one guy, I think we've seen over and over again for other teams, that gives you a chance to be a winner every year based on having the most important position in the field taken care of. I'm just hoping we don't screw it up. That's all. <laughs> After they already screwed I'm, it up. I mean, well, well, I mean, th- th- yeah, okay. But I'm saying th- if you if you blow the O'Brien stuff, you know, throw it out the water. This already happened. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson's already signed to the extension. If you piss him off a second time, you hire. If you make another bad hire, and he's sat here for like say seven years and done nothing. That's potentially the end of this franchise being relevant for years. Well, until you bought him out and get a chance to draft a, a you know, the thing, the, the, the really amazing thing about it is that it's, it's, I think it's relatively rare for you to be able to get a franchise quarterback as late in the first round as they did. You know, we're not talking about a guy in the first, first, second overall pick. I mean, for them to be able to get him at 12, I think is a little bit, a little bit exceptional. And, and you're right. It's, it's basically if they piss him off, if they piss him off with this new hire or things don't go well and he decides he wants out, then you're really just playing the odds of when are we going to have our next shot at, at getting a guy like Deshaun Watson, even though you've had him. And, and frankly, I would hope that whoever before they hire whoever they hire, they get Deshaun Watson's input. You at least would want him. I don't think you want him making the hire, but I think you at least want him saying this is a guy I'm comfortable with moving forward. He has to be involved in that. Yeah, he has to approve it at some level, I think. Yeah, I would even put him in all the interviews and stuff, too. Just, like, let him sit there and, and listen and ask questions and all that. I don't even care if he asks questions, if he's texting on his phone the whole time. Mm-hmm. At, least yeah. show him, at, least, at least show him the respect of you can be here, you can listen to it. Because, again, whoever they hire, the entire hire needs to be based on what are we going to do to put Deshaun in the position to succeed the most because whatever is going to make him most successful in all likelihood will make the rest of the team most successful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's fine. You get the number one overall pick. You pick a defensive end. You spend four years with uh, Tom Savage, uh, you do it again. Brian Mallett, Brian Foyer, et cetera, at quarterback. And that's fine. It's fine. It doesn't limit your ceiling, your ceiling at all. That's what people have told me over and over again. <clears throat> Kid, let me ask you this, because I was as big I was as big a fan of the ideas as probably any well, maybe not as much as, as Weston, but as close to as anybody. The idea of resign of re-signing uh Jadevian Clowney to a hundred million dollar deal. Is it fair to say at this point that uh the market has borne out that that would have been a poor idea? I think so, yeah. I think I think I would agree with that. It doesn't mean that if you signed him though that it would be a worse investment than Whitney Merciless. No, there's nothing. There's, <laughs> no, agreed. You could pay him twice what Whitney Merciless is getting, and it wouldn't have been a worse investment. But uh, regardless, I, Weston, are you willing to, to you know put down the Kool-Aid and say that maybe them not signing him to a $100 million deal, let's say 50 or 60 guaranteed, uh, that it that it uh, – putting aside the fact that they did a terrible job managing that situation. I'm just talking about purely mm-hmm. objectively looking at the contract that it wasn't a terrible idea not to pay him? I think if it was last year's Jadavion, then it, he's worth it, but this year's Jadavion isn't. Like, he has, like, four good plays in the first quarter, and then he's tired, doesn't do anything the rest of the game after that. And uh, But, yeah, like he, Clowney hasn't been Clowney so far yet this year, but he was, you know, like a top-ten edge defender last year in Seattle and was, like, carried their entire pass defense and or their entire pass rush and, you know, constantly got, like, really close to making plays, but couldn't quite get there and, Helped him up things for other players, but yeah, this version of Clowney, I, I don't know if he's out of shape or if he's like that knee injury or that arthroscopic knee, knee surgery he had is finally starting to catch up to him. He's not like as shifty, but uh, like yeah, he like he makes four plays in the first quarter. You don't really see him again. So like this oh, version oh, oh. of it isn't good though. Well, let's 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 frame it this way though, Tim. You franchise him. That's already yep. done. He yep. was already he was already yep. signed, sealed, delivered for mm-hmm. 2019. Assuming you didn't piss him off or no frickin' reason, and then trade him to Seattle for nothing. Yep. So you keep him on the tag. Let's say he comes back, produces similarly to what he did in Seattle, maybe a little better, maybe give him like six sacks. Does that guy command a $100 million contract? No, he does not. And that's the thing. No, he does not. Uh, no, he does not. But I, I guess what I'm asking, 
Weston, are you breaking up with Jadevian Clowney? Oh, I never can. Like, I still have hope. Like, I watched the Titans Bengals game today and, like, wrote down, like, which plays and you go back and watch afterwards and stuff. And, <laughs> but I want to check back out again. And, like, Rabel used him, like, in the first quarter on, like, the interior blitz, and it was perfect. And he, like, just barely missed Joe Burrow and so that sort of thing. So, like, I still think he's going to get better this year. Um, I, I don't know. I just think he's just out of shape. And that Denver game week one where he was gasping, like, after, you know, seven minutes or whatever, I think that's just been kind of it. But, uh, but yeah, I think the way Rivers kind of framed it, though, where you, you have him on a franchise tag, if he has six sacks, and now you're paying him instead of Merciless, and also you're not paying him $20 million, you're paying him maybe, you know, 15 and maybe you give another one-year prove-it deal um, in that case for this year. But, yeah, like, Clowney hasn't been worth, you know, $20 million at all this year. He's been, uh, you know, very underwhelming so far. So, Dots the hearts of the, of the J on Jadavian? Yeah, uh, it's more like the the hearts within the circle of Clowny are gone, and so now it's just like there's a lot of stars in the C and the okay. L though right now. Okay. So he's che- he's cheated on you, but you believe he can change? Yeah, I think so. I think he'll be okay. I think he'll get better, you and I think the times in general can get better uh, past defense wise. But like Jeffrey Simmons has my heart in the meantime. Oh really? So you're you're looking elsewhere as well? A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. You have a wandering eye. You're not yeah. just you're not just you're not you're not devoted to clowning anymore. It's like seventy percent clowning, like thirty percent Simmons right now. Okay, but I, there, there's no denying that the Texans completely screwed up the way they hand. I mean, like if you don't want to pay him, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with deciding you don't want to you don't want to commit to him long term. But the idea of trading him when they did for what they got which the latter was completely based upon the former because you traded him before he had a chance after the point that he could actually sign a new deal with, with whatever team signed him or whatever team acquired him. That's what makes it so inexcusable in my mind is that you could have absolutely, especially with Frank Clark and and those sorts of deals, you you could have traded him say two, three months earlier, gotten a better draft pick than a third rounder and given that team the chance to acquire, to sign him to a long-term deal, whether he does, whether he doesn't, that's not your problem. But they went ahead and traded him far, long, far past the point of being able to maximize the return, which is, which, which is inexcusable. It's, it's okay to decide you don't want to pay him, but mm-hmm. to trade him when they did, and for what they got for him, which was, which was impacted by when they traded him. That's the part to me that I, that I just won't get over. Yeah, and I think with that too, it sounded like they wanted to trim Miami for a tensile package, and Clowney's like, "I'm not yep. playing there at all. I'm not yep. playing Miami." Yep. And that kind of screwed the whole fed, thing up. He was fed up with the with the Patriot way. He wasn't going to go to another Patriot coach. He wanted to go to some to a team that had a chance to win. Which, you know, I, the, ironically enough, the Dolphins look a whole lot better than the Texans do this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, Tim, you know, where, do you, where do you stand the Tunsil trade? Do you think it was good? Do you like Laramie Tunsil? What are your thoughts on that now that we're a year and a half later? I do like Laramie Tunsil, but there is not a world in which I can wrap my mind around paying him uh, 22 or $23 million a year, plus giving up your two, two first-round picks and a second-round pick. I mean, when, when, you know, the story about Laramie Tunsil is that when he walked by the, the coach's office in the Dolphins and when they saw what the Texans were, he said, I would trade me for that. <laughs> I mean that—that's the fact that, that that allegedly happened. I mean, I think tells you everything. And then he—he he again decided to, as River said, fire his agent and go toe to toe, so to speak, with Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby, and won. It's—it's it's amazing to me. I understand why they did it. It was a panic move. I know that it broke your heart because you thought that Julian Davenport could one day be the new Walter Jones. But <laughs> hey, he was—he's been pretty good in Miami when he played 15 snaps against Seattle this year. Has he? Yeah, has he has he? 15 really good has snaps. He? Has he? Has yeah, he, really? no, he legitimately has. I was like, wait, has why didn't nobody tell me Julian Davenport played this year? I was so upset. <laughs> I, I figured you were breaking down the film every day. I frankly figured that you have a I, – I frankly figured that you've hired a PI in Miami to send you video every day. Oh, I'm definitely for sure going to post some Davenport pass that's be like, someone needs to get this guy out of Miami for the trade deadline. His PFF rating right now – 71.8 on the 27 snaps he's played. So, wow, uh, I think I think we know actually what's going on right now. Do you think that article is going to get a lot of hits? Oh, nobody's going to read it, but I, do, I write everything just for pe- myself, you know. Do you think that people will comment on it? No, not God, anymore. Never again. <laughs> I was going to say trick question. Nobody comments on anything. But uh, regardless. Uh, the idea to to bring it back, I think I think I mean, what do you think, Laramie Tunsil? How many how many better 
left tackles or just tackles in general are there in football right now? I think pass blocking wise, the only guy like Morris, Bakhtikari, and Green Bay because he can pass set, he can pass block for ten seconds, you know. Whereas Tunsil okay. pass blocks for like five, and then he lets the guy go, and Watson has to run around you know, after that. But I mean, that's but total really total package. So you think there's one? You think there's one better left tackle in football right now than Laramie Tunsil? And I get, I mean, yeah, I would say I say from the way they're used because Stanley plays in such a different offense, it's hard to compare yep. Tunsil and Stanley. Rivers, what do you think? I would I would put Stanley over Tunsil, but then Stanley just you know he's done for the season after today. So yeah, I mean uh, he's definitely top three. Uh, I would have to go look at these guys one on one, and I don't I, I don't do the 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 amount of OL film study that our boy Matt Weston does. Who does? Who does? Um, that's why. That's why we love him. That's why Julian Davenport's agent loves him. I like. I, I like no, it's I like Ty, Titus Howard's agent's the one who loves me now. Well, I was going to say, I, I would like to think that Julian Davenport's uh, binder when he becomes a free agent is one single page with Matt Weston posts that people can link to I'm, about how Julian Davenport's going to get it together. He's the guy now. I'm going to do everything I can to get out of Miami this trade deadline. You think there's a hot market for Julian Davenport these days? Oh, yeah. I think so. Like If you have, like, you know, you just lost a left tackle and you got a six-round pick hanging there, you know, it's better than that. I'm upset. I think they, they're starting, like, Dustin Baker or something over him right now, now that uh, Austin Some of the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be, be perfect in Dallas. Perfect. You think there's a world in which a team would send a six-round pick to the Dolphins for Julian Davenport? I would. I don't think there is, but I want to live in the world where there is one. Okay, That's but even I mean I that that kind of says everything to me. Even in your world, where you think Julian Davenport is is the you know the next coming of Anthony Munoz, you would only surrender a six round pick for him. No, I would give up. I would give up more. I would give up a fifth for him. You know, maybe, <laughs> you know for sure. But it's like it's true it's, love. I don't it's think somebody's going to do that. Though is the thing. You know. They, okay, but you would. Yeah, I would for sure. First thing, if I would. became GM of the Texans. First thing I do. Trade Tunsil for a first round pick. I uh, trade mm-hmm. a fifth round pick for Julian Davenport, and now we're talking championships. These <laughs> aren't imaginations anymore. You're, you're missing out on your chance to draft the next Isaiah Coulter. Excuse me. That's true. See? That's true. That even better. Well, that's true. I need to have Rivers from the PR for me, so I don't have to actually say these. Make my make my. I don't have to explain my decisions at all. You know. You just yeah. make the moves and then blame it on the Zoom call. Exactly. We were just joking around on the Zoom. <laughs> that's that's why I traded. That's why I traded a second round pick for Julian Davenport. I want to say I did a Ravens podcast for that Week Two game, and I came on there and I was just being honest about how things are, and and, and the guy obviously very nice, but he's like, you know, you can defend your guys. It's okay. Like you, you can if you want to say that somebody's good, if you want to say that uh, Laramie Tunsil is better than Ronnie Stanley, you can do that. And I was just like, no, that's, that's, that's not how this year's going, man. <laughs> Let me <laughs> not, tell you. Not just, not just how this year's going. I mean, that's not your brand. Well, that, that too, but that's not your brand, but, but even, even beyond that, it's watching the, what was that? Week 11, the, the 2019 game where yeah. the Ravens mm-hmm. got the Texans coming off of by, and one forty-one to seven. Yep. Yep. Well, that I game mean, could, that game was completely different. They didn't call that. They called that pass interference penalty. Rivers. It, it, it's true. That. that would have changed everything. Uh, who Who was the receiver that was interfered with? I think it was DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, he's not on the team anymore. While Watson was scrambling for his life on fourth down. Right. Nah, don't remember. Well, if Julian Davenport had been there, he wouldn't have been scrambling for his life. Well, he would have blocked for six seconds instead of five seconds like Tunsil. And then Watson would have had a little bit more time. If Julian Davenport's there, you don't need the other five guys, or the other four guys on the offensive line. Just line him up and let him go. true, too. Do you think Bill O'Brien was emboldened by the fact that when they won that playoff game against Buffalo – the, the the bailout pass that Watson did didn't go to DeAndre Hopkins, but instead went to Tywan Jones. Oh, gotcha. It makes more <laughs> sense proved, than why they actually traded him, if that's the case. It, it proved he wasn't that important. They could win without him. That's Who why you got DeAndre the Hopkins down. when you have Tywan Jones. God, this and, is and, and yet curiously, and yet curiously, Tywan Jones not on the team this year. David Johnson is. 
just think, wasn't good just wasn't smart enough or tough enough or dependable enough honestly. no well that's that's you know that's his fault i think that's taylon's in buffalo too he's just a winning player you know well he's with your boy yeah josh allen josh allen who i i assume i assume between josh allen highlights and julian davenport highlights you're taken care of for the rest of the year yeah and justin herbert highlights and the occasional clowny pass rush I saw I saw a tweet today during the uh, during the Titans game. I wasn't watching it, but I think it might have been Paul Kaharski that said Clowney uh, gets to the quarterback. Clowney misses the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that was that play where they had him rush on the interior, staying up blitzing like he did on like eighteen or whatever. And uh, just I, I don't know how he missed him. It was unbelievable. It's amazing to me. I mean, Jadevin Clowney was one of those guys that coming out of college, everybody thought was a truly, truly generational guy. And I mean, it's he. I mean, is there going to be another player? Is it fair to say in the next or in the last ten years that you're going to look back on and say didn't live up to the hype as much as Clowney? Putting aside quarterbacks, because who knows? But I'm talking about let's say a non a non quarterback player in the NFL draft who you're going to say he lived up to the hype less than Clowney. Luke Jokel. But was there really that much hype compared to Clowney? <laughs> there was. Compared I to mean, Clowney? I, not compared to Clowney, but only because of the, okay. uh, the clip of the South Carolina guy. That was what it was? Yes, yes, the hit. And that was, they, they, like, they like expected him to be that hit, but every down. And yes. that was never going to happen. Yes, yes, yes. Our friend Matt Campbell uh, loved Jadevian Clowney based on that hit because he doesn't <laughs> like Michigan at all. But the bigger, I mean, seriously. So, I mean, aside from so aside from Jokel, give me another player that you would say um, was a bigger disappointment who wasn't a quarterback in the last ten years that was taken, let's say, in the top five picks, a bigger disappointment than Clowney. Mm, I mean, obviously, because you said a non quarterback, of course, non quarterback. The first name that comes to mind, obviously, is Marcus Mariota, right? <laughs> yep. 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 Fair. Totally fair. But, I mean, again, non-quarterback. Non-quarterback. Um, Weston, I know that you're you're listening to this and cutting yourself, but yeah, I want you to tell I got, me. I, 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 give me a name. I got the bathtub full right now. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Greg yeah, Robinson. There you go. The guy after Cloud. Yeah. That's a good one. The thing is, like, I mean, you can say, like, I don't know. You can say Dante Fowler, but it's like Fowler had – generational hype like Clowney he wasn't had. clowning you know like nobody he really wasn't was. clowning people thought Clowney was a generational talent everybody thought Dante Fowler Jr. was really good but people thought Jadevian Clowney was a, a generational talent I mean people time, were talking the, people were talking time. about how he should sit out his last year of college his mm -hmm. junior year just so he didn't get hurt at the same time though all the all the uh saxier metrics looked at the stats <laughs> and cited it Khalil Mack was going to be a better edge rusher than Jadavion Clowney, and we're right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. All I, look, I trust Matt Weston, and Matt Weston, <laughs> Matt Weston told me Julian Davenport and Jadavion Clowney were generational talents. Well, I I also wrote like week three of uh, week two of Khalil Mack's career against Houston. I was like, yeah, he's better than Von Miller already, and uh, he's not Von Miller good, but he's still really good, you know. Right. So I right. told y'all about but, Khalil Mack when I finally saw him. Yeah, and you told us about Julian Davenport. Well, and, uh, and da Brett, Davenport's our buddy Brett, Our buddy Brett told us about Ryan Mallett, and I gulped up every every last oh. drop of that. I wanted to believe. <laughs> I wanted to believe. <laughs> but you, you do this long enough, you're you're going to have your misses. But the thing that the thing that I love is is Weston refuses to admit maybe maybe the Davenport thing was a wee bit off. No, I never. I'll never give up on just Davenport. Stan's not the right opportunity yet. No, no, never will give up on Davenport. Never back down. Same thing with Martinez Rankin. Same thing with Martinez Rankin too. I always, <laughs> I always check the depth chart. I'm still waiting for me to get off IR so he can take well, over for whoever that left guard is at in Kansas City right now, who has a very Italian last name. I'm waiting. For, I'm waiting for that to happen. One of my favorite things in the history of the site is you asking the Texans to please draft Martinez Rankin. They did it, and then it went horribly wrong. And then they moved him to left tackle immediately. And you're like, I, what look, are y'all doing? Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. Why would you no, do this? It was, 
it was it was amazing. I literally people were you you called your shot. It was Babe Ruth. You hit it out, and then people found you had a corked bat. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I loved it. Yeah, I'm gonna write an article. It's like the Sancho Henderson broken ankle butterfly effect, and yep. how it ruined the Texans' offensive line for years to come. Because it had been Martinez Rankin and Julian Davenport cornerstone offensive tackles for the next seven years for you know only six hundred thousand yep. dollars a year. Yep, they had the offensive line fixed. They right had it there. fixed. Yeah, they had it fixed. No, I, I again, I appreciate it. You got You got to take big swings, otherwise you're never gonna hit it out. And the, the again. I love the fact that even years after where every bit of data has told you that Julian Davenport's probably not a starting left tackle in the league, you're doubling down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, he has a 72.9 pro football focus rating <laughs> after playing 27 snaps this year, and that's all I need. That's the only – And I know, and I know I this need. might be a little – this might be a little – probably a little inside baseball, but – I think the thing that I love the most is you citing pro football focus ratings. Well, that's all I got now. That's all I got now. That's a reason to believe because maybe I'm wrong, but I think I feel like I've read an email or two from you uh, <laughs> saying that pro football focus ratings may or may not be the best way to measure play. I hate them so much. They've they, they ruined football discourse completely. Except for except for Julian Davenport. Except for Julian Davenport. This is the then one they're, case. They're, they've nailed it. They got it. I think they got, they got this it. time on this one, but all the other ones are wrong. The rest are garbage. Yeah, the rest sure. are garbage. No, I understand. I appreciate your objectivity when it comes to that. It's 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 uh, it's inspiring. So I mean, Rivers. Let me ask you this: like moving forward, you're paying Will Fuller. Yeah, I am. I'm riding on that franchise tag, and then seeing how low I can go because I know that there will be a time when he gets hurt. And at that point, the bargaining position will shift a little bit. And Weston? I'm, I'm hoping that I get wide receiver $2 on him. I think, Weston, you paying him? I think if Green Bay says we'll give you a second, I would trade him. Yep. But if, if, you can't, if you can't get a second, I think you have to tag him because I wouldn't keep Cooks going past this year. I wouldn't keep Kenny Stills going past this year. I would try to I would try to look at moving Cobb, but Cobb you have to actually pay three million dollars to move him. Um, but if you can't get a second for him, keep Fuller going on. Oh, you think so? I guess because Cobb because Cobb can only play one position, he can only play in the slot, and then you lose those snaps that can go to you know other better receivers in that same spot. I if you're the if you're the Packers, do you give up a second round pick for Will Fuller? If I'm the Packers, yeah. Yes. Okay, Weston. Yeah, I would because they they have a chance to you know score thirty five points a game with them. You know, he's a free agent after this year, but you give up a second round pick for him. Yeah, because Rogers is thirty five, thirty six. Despite the fact that you decided last year that you believed so much in Aaron Rodgers that you drafted his replacement at the end of the first round as opposed to drafting a receiver. Yeah, I don't understand why they did that at all. Okay, yeah. I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with either of you guys that I think you probably pay the second round pick, but I wonder if the actual Packers who decided to draft Aaron Rodgers' replacement at the bottom of the first, as opposed to drafting a receiver, would do that. Sure, it's all about rationality until we actually talk about the actual front offices involved, which all of us should know after five years of Bill O'Brien. Six, six, six and a half, almost seven. Not that I was not that I not that I have it on my outlook calendar or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I, I was I'm an O'Brien guy. I was an O'Brien guy. I'll be the first to admit it. I thought I had, he was a guy that it, if you fired him uh, with the whole Rick Smith uh, tussle, I thought he would be unemployed for about five minutes. And then once they made him, once they put him in charge of personnel, I think it changed the entire trajectory of of uh, his career. I hadn't even met my wife. Uh, and Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien was hit Texans head coach before I met my wife. Bill O'Brien, r- rumor has it, Bill O'Brien introduced you to your wife. <laughs> that is that is a totally false, <laughs> totally false rumor. Somebody needs to call CBS. I think we have a hit, you know, right here. No, it's no doubt, no doubt. I, I think how I, I think met Bill you before O'Brien, Bill O'Brien was hired. Yep, Bill O'Brien, the matchmaker. Bill, Bill O'Brien fretted me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I mean, it, really, it, so if you're the Packers, if you two are running the Packers, you give up a two for Will Fuller. 
I mean, what would you say, though, what are the chances that someone's giving up a second-round pick for Will Fuller right now? 10%, 20%? 5%. Okay. Weston? Yeah, I don't know. I can't really put a number on that at all. But, like, we know it's I, like, I, you know, I, I really can't. I, I would be blown away if someone was willing to give you a two. And I think if someone's willing to give you a three, I would rather keep Will Fuller and franchise him. Yeah, yeah. that's how I feel about it, too. But Randall take. Cobb, if, if, if someone, if someone, I guess, if someone's willing to, to give you an asset for Randall Cobb, what is the uh, lowest draft pick that you would take for Randall Cobb right now? Five. Weston? Yeah, I would say five as well. Even a God. six. I would consider it for a six. How amazing is that? I just don't like the idea of Randall Cobb as being like a, a slot only receiver who's paid as much as he is, you know. No, I understand. You know who'd be better in the slot is Julian Davenport. <laughs> I, I I like He's a little too Randall tall. Cobb. I like Randall you Cobb. Think? The tight end? I think Randall Cobb is a good teammate. And I like I really mean this not on like an O'Brien irony level. Like I think he really is a, a good player who's good at his job. He's just a really bad fit for this team and what it's trying to do. I, I wouldn't even I don't even think that I would say he's a bad fit for this team and what it was trying to do back in, you know, March of, of uh, 2020. I would say the bigger issue is what you're paying him in a market that says you don't have to pay him that. And that's before we get to the fact that you have had Kiki QT on the roster. Yeah. And who who deserves a chance out of the O'Brien doghouse if we're going to look at people objectively here at this point and say, hey, mm. who's young on this roster who could still do something? So Kiki QT, if, if a team was willing to trade you a six-round pick for Kiki QT, are you doing it? I think you have are, my coaches, are, are my coaches going to play him or not? I, I, depends who you're it's, – it's up to you. I would rather play QT than take the six-round pick. I would too. I would too. Weston's ready to get rid of him because he's not one of his draft crushes. But no, he was other people. I like Cutie a lot. Do you? Yeah, I wrote about, or, I about how much I like Cutie and Reed and all those guys and Rankin. Is it fair know? to say? Is it fair to say that Cutie is worth uh, one half of a Davenport? Yeah, I think at this point, I think Davenport's worth <laughs> yeah. a little bit more than that, though, because you know, <laughs> offensive tackle is yeah. a little bit more of a, a valuable position than. Uh, than six string wide receiver. I I mean I would rather play Q than trade him, but I think with the way things are set up right now, it'd be kind of better off just to recoup a pick for him for a team without any picks next year. That, see, that's the interesting thing to me is that I think that uh, any other team, if we still had O'Brien running the show, then I think absolutely they would trade him for a sixth or seventh round pick. But I would think that if you're trying to make it a more attractive position for a new head coach that you want to hang on to that guy because maybe he's found money in some on some uh, level uh, for a, for a new coach to say, oh, well, I can put that guy in the slot and I can cut Randall Cobb. Uh, and I'd rather, I'd rather pay Kiki QT very little than Randall Cobb, $9 million a year. You know, that's something that probably somebody should have said in the off season at some point. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, Hey, you know, we could do this or we could not pay $9 million for a guy who might not be better than Kiki QT. To be fair, I sent that text message to Bill O'Brien, but he did not respond. It's still on red. You know, it'd be a good a good Wolf Fuller spot would be the Colts. The Colts would be a good team that could use them, even though I absolutely hate the Colts. But um, just needing a wide receiver, not getting a whole lot of Ty, and him being hurt again. Would you trade if you were the Texans? Would you trade Will Fuller for a second round pick from the Colts? I would, just because I think you would want a second round pick. You know. Okay. Rivers? Sure. Okay. I, I would, it would actually give me pause as to whether I would do it just from the perspective of being able to franchise him next year. I think I'd probably do it because it's still a second round pick, but I, I would, I would actually have to think about it. If you uh, get it what about, I think you have to take it. To, to go back to, uh, to Weston's uh, meticulously prepared outline before the show, what would you trade Whitney, which again, I'm, I'm not joking. I mean, I remember when uh, Rivers and, and I and a couple other guys used to do that. There was no outline. Uh, it was basically maybe somebody sent an email five minutes before the show with uh, six words. 
Uh, but <laughs> but uh, Whitney Merciless, if you could get what for him, would you trade him? Yes. Yep. The answer is anything, I think. But, uh, I mean, realistically, like, if, if someone offered you a sixth, seventh round pick or a conditional seventh round pick, are you trading him? I'm trading him for, like, a, pick, a seventh round pick swap. Yep. Jeez. What do you think they could get for him? Do you think they could even get, like, a five, Tim? Do you think that would even be possible? No. No, I do not. Not with that contract. I really, I mean, essentially, it's a two-year deal, as I understand it. No, I don't think so. I think yeah. he's a guy that probably gets cut after this year when new management comes in. Yeah, I think so. The, the, the thing is, trading him opens up so much more cap space than actually cutting him. That, I agree. Like, you have it, it almost becomes like a Brock Osweiler situation where you're like, well, it's, it's that's like interesting. I think it's a David Carr situation where everybody tries to manufacture a trade market when every team knows there's no way you're going to keep him. So why would I give you an asset for him as opposed to just letting you cut him and then signing him for far, far less than what you would have paid him if you acquired him via trade? Sure. And if if it were me, like I would even be like, oh, that's interesting that you got a lot of cap space. Hey, do you want a six round pick? Here's Whitney Merciless. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally fair. But you are not running the Texans. Jack Easterby is. That's and, true. Uh, and Whitney Merciless is tough, smart, and or dependable. You are not. Also true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 if, if either of you, I, I guess what it comes down to is if I would feel a lot better about the future of the Texans if either of you guys were running the team as opposed to the people that actually are right now. Jack Easterby's uh, resume has definitely given me a lot of pause as far as how many shots I need to shoot. But you can't even <laughs> do. Yep. Look, I mean, I, at least, I, again, at least both you guys are public in, in what you think and what you believe and who you think is good and who's not, and you're going to miss. Everybody is. Jack Easterby really, I mean, sort of exists in the shadows and has never actually, uh, at least to our knowledge, come down publicly as to what he thinks about one player or another. And yet, somehow, he's running the uh, the personnel department of the Texans. Yeah, the hard thing is, though, I don't know if I could get Eli. I don't think I, I, I could get a seventh-round pick for Eli Anku, though. And Jack used to be able to do that. And this it's Jerry Jones. Jack and I, it's, it's Jerry Jones. I believe you could. <laughs> now, now, that said, I would, I would admittedly be a little bit perturbed by the idea of you trading Laramie Tunsil to the Dolphins, uh, plus a first-round pick in 2022 for... Julian Davenport and a sixth round pick in 2021. Well, I want the 21 draft pick though. I want my 21 no, draft pick back. And then I, the I get Davenport and then they get Tunsil and we're all set. We're ready to go now. And you, you've got, you've got left and right tackle locked down because you've got him and your, your new Davenport Titus Howard. Yeah. And I'm feeding Max Sharping and, and just having him lift weights until he's the strongest Caleb McGarry. And then he can play left you, guard. You 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 did love Caleb McGarry before the draft, but you also you also liked Max Sharping. No, I wasn't a Sharping fan because I didn't think his pass that could translate to the NFL at right tackle, and then he moved to guard and was okay last year. But I didn't think he could play tackle okay. right away though. Well, I understand, but you feel somewhat vindicated with him at guard. Uh, I feel like my uh, my valuation doesn't hold merit because they did move him inside. Understood. So you feel like that you maybe missed on the evaluation part of it. I didn't look at him as an interior offensive lineman. No. You did. Okay, so you didn't answer the question. You feel like you probably missed on your evaluation. No, I I feel like I hit it as far as him playing right <laughs> tackle, but as far as him being a, a offensive guard, I did not think about that in the context in which I watched him. Understood. <laughs> do you think do you think that you really did a fair job then evaluating him? You didn't actually think about the possibility of him moving inside yeah i think so considering they didn't have an okay. offensive tackle on the roster yeah. at the time okay so, I'll, so you, I'll, you, I'll, say, I'll say this much we don't i don't really think you can evaluate any of the young players on this line until you get seven games of them without mike devlin his offensive mm-hmm. line coach which kind of goes back to so, davenport ranking as well too you know imagine they were the <laughs> offensive line coach during that time period <laughs> So is it fair to say that you blame Mike Devlin for the current state of Martinez Rankin and Julian Davenport's careers? I think he played a segment in the in the problems that occurred in their careers. Well, I understand, you know, butterfly effect and all that, but is it fair to say that you blame him primarily for where they are? Let's I would say maybe like 
40% him, 40% the position swap, and then 20% just entropy. 0% the actual player. Exactly. <laughs> entropy. <laughs> entropy, as opposed to even 20% on the player itself. Well, that is outstanding. That is absolutely outstanding. The only, um, the only way to love something is absolute and pure. You know, you can't mark it up with, with variables I, and stuff. Or logic. I understand. No, I think that's great. I think that's great. I, I appreciate, <laughs> again, I appreciate your devotion to uh, Julian Davenport and Martinez Rankin. Do you think that, aside from you and truly, truly sick Texans fans, in 10 years, anyone is going to know either of their names? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you still remember Xavier DB and Zach Dial. I said truly, I said truly sick Texans. So I'm trying. I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. I really don't. We're quite sick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. We we have we have problems. I'm not going to deny any of that. That's it's not healthy. The fact, again, the fact that I have a Xavier DB autograph next to my Ephraim Salam autograph, I think says everything you need to know about me and where I'm at and how things have gone, frankly, off the rails. But. My mother-in-law gave me an autographed Texans football, uh, just just like a random like pawn store find or whatever. Uh, I pull up the names on it. Uh, one of the signatures, Brandon Brooks. Remember him, Matt? Yeah, that's another really great. He one. never he never liked Brandon Brooks. He was no he was no Julian Davenport. Number two, Eddie Pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Strong. Strong. Number 35, but number one in our heart. He actually does sign with the 35, too. That's the only reason I could tell was him. How sad is it that I know that? <laughs> Truly. How sad is it that I know any pleasant He's number 35. Number. You're just a... Uh, I mean... Um, I'm gonna say, I was going to say, you're just a um, Quinnen Demps AFC Defensive Player of the Month away from having a perfect football there, Rivers. Well, I, I am hunting... Uh, the various um, civil departments looking for Shiloh Kao. And I, I do believe we will find him one day. I, th- I think Shiloh Kao may be outside your front door right now, ready to sign something. <laughs> uh, was Quentin Demp's AFC Defensive Player Month, was that December of 2018? I think so, because he had like four interceptions because of... Uh, I, I, I remember that. AJ Boye. So I cannot express how sad I am that I can remember that, but not many more, far more major things in my life over the past five years <laughs> than when Quentin Demps was the AFC Defensive Player of the Month. And in, got all uh, the votes. <laughs> yep, he did. He did. It's true. It's yeah, true. And, but I, think, I, mean, and I think half those picks were because the ball hit AJ Boy's hands and bounced backwards to him as well. So I guess that would have been 2016. And the sadder part is I'm not even sure that Quentin was the better Demps. We had Will Demps. For a, for a glorious season. There's clearly a lot to say about Will Demps. I think I think I just froze Weston. He doesn't he doesn't remember Will Demps. I don't Demps. remember Will Demps. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I, I you did. finally got a name. You finally got me. I got him. I got him. I, I need, got him. I need to plug in my Madden 04 tomorrow. <laughs> that's that's about right. He he will fight you for Julian Davenport, but he doesn't remember Will Demps. <laughs> yeah, you got me on Will Dems. Uh, I don't know if you'll have anything else at all. I, I really don't. And we're two hours in this. Man, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had anything for an hour. I've just been enjoying. <laughs> I've, I've just, I've just been enjoying uh, talking about the Texans and, and feeling a little bit better about the fact that starting next Sunday we'll be back on this train of watching them every week. Yeah, they they're a lot more fun to think about without them actually playing. You know, it's more fun to think about the Texans and talk about them actually watch them right now. Well, uh, I'm I'm as long as we have the Sean Watson, uh, it's it's there's at least a chance every Sunday is fun. I'd much rather as as bleak as things are right now. There's still a lot to be said for being able to watch them every week and wondering if Deshaun is going to do something that you'll remember, uh, you know, five years from now, like you know Julian Davenport's wingspan. <laughs> I just think Will Demps and uh, uh, Danny Clark, uh, Demarcus Faggins, uh, <laughs> Charlie Anderson, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even Earl Cochran deserve a little more respect, Weston. That's fair. It's fair. He disrespects them by not recognizing their memory. 
Yeah, and once you forget their memory, you know, they become they truly become dead. You know, once you once you once they once the thoughts finally leave your head, uh, that's it. They don't exist anymore. That's true. Is that's Martin- the only reason why that I, I I know in my heart that I have to remember Zach Dials <laughs> and I have to bring up Zach Dials to strangers because he was very cost efficient and people should know this. More people should hear about this. <laughs> what uh what college did Zach Dials go to? Uh, Rivers, Kansas State. Nailed it. What what round was he picked in? Seventh. God, I, I love it. I love it. See, that's a real fan, Weston. He doesn't just forget people. I need to get my note cards out and and, you do. Uh, and go through every draft pick and every roster and get the numbers do. together. You, you do. You 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 haven't really you, you, you don't really embrace the uh the dark, dark, dark times before DeAndre Hopkins was traded for a bag of magic beans and some used dirt. <laughs> Yeah, I have, a, I have a trip to West Texas in two weeks, and I'll make sure I have a thousand note cards to read in the back seat, and I'll be better prepared for seven years from now. You're not driving to West Texas. You're sitting. Someone chauffeuring you to West Texas. Yeah, I get to sit in the back seat this time. I'm very excited. Someone's driving, and you're just going to sit in the back seat and read note cards. Yeah, read every Texas draft pick round college number and have them all memorized for uh, by the time I get back home. Okay, so. If we were to do this again in a month, two months, uh, you'd be able to have you'd be able to be up to speed on all the Texans history. I can give it a shot. I can give, we can we can have a end of the year celebration and see if I know every Texans draft pick and numbering university they went to. Where did Charles Hill go to college? I don't know. I know he's a second round pick, right? In 02. Rivers, you're wrong. But Rivers. Man, I'm I'm torn between like two. I think it was Maryland. You nailed it. God, unbelievable. See, See? I mean, just an encyclopedia. But you're gonna have a lot of time to read note cards. Why well, uh, on your ride? I need I need to know, ride Tim, to West Texas. I need to know, Tim. Do you think that today Zach Dials has more value to a team than Whitney Merciless on this contract? Zero pause. The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Purely based on the contract. And, and Whitney Merciless is not a bad football player, but what he's getting paid and what the Texans owe him, yeah, Zach, Zach Dials, uh, and I, I don't know what he's doing. I'm sure he's succeeding in life, but I have zero doubt that he is uh, far, far more cost-effective than Whitney Merciless is right now. Yeah, it's kind of funny about that contract extension, too, because that was the same week it happened where the paperwork didn't go through for Brian Anger. <sighs> And then you're kind of like, wait, what's actually going on over there if they can't even follow the contract correctly and they're giving Winnie Merciless you know, $54 million for four years? He was an O'Brien guy. And if you're an O'Brien guy, you got taken care of. Even if, even if the, uh, the market said you shouldn't necessarily have been taken care of in that fashion. According to Twitter, I need you to know that Zach Dials um, appears on the VH1 show Love and Listings as a real estate agent. Woo! There you go. There you go. Put that on your note card, Weston. Yeah, well, fun facts. There'll be some fun facts on there, too. Yeah, again, you got you got a lot going. You're, you're uh, being chauffeured to West Texas, sitting in the back seat, looking at note cards. Kevin Dodds appreciates it. <laughs> well, this was fun, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'll make sure I'll probably split this up into a whole mini series, you know, like Kim Burns Vietnam War, so that way people have all week and you know eight eight weeks or whatever they have to consume this little bits of pieces. But... If any episode is over fifteen minutes, you have failed. Oh, they they all are. They all they're all way too long, and this one I think kind of no. I'm I'm familiar with your work. I list, I listened to you and Chris last week. Chris had had a few drinks, and uh, then this week started. Uh, texting or, or tweeting about skin suits no they definitely need to be shorter <laughs> yeah chris chris is having chris had a good we had a good time on that one the best i enjoyed of, that i i enjoy all of them but i i especially enjoyed that one because i could literally hear him pouring a drink well and he also started off with a really good hiccup too or like snore or whatever <laughs> it's like oh yeah we're on tonight <laughs> it was good it was good we're, we're lucky enough to have some very very educated fans uh, and then people who believe in Martinez Rankin, who are part of this podcast. <laughs> Tim, Tim, where did Jerome Mathis go to school? I need to know. Oh, ah, Hampton's not right. 
Hampton is not right. It was a Division II school. Am I right about that? Hampton is right, though. Oh, I'm that's sick, disturbing. Sick <laughs> I am sad. Hey, Tim, where did, sad. where did Alan Bonner go to school? Oh, I'm going to say Washington or Washington State, but I don't feel good about that. Yeah, I don't know either. I thought you were just going to know for sure. No. Utah? <laughs> am I Utah? I think Rivers, it's like I'm Arkansas not. or something. No, definitely it's not Arkansas. Where? Jacksonville State. There we go. Ah, see, there you go. See? See? Where did Julian Davenport go to school? Bucknell. Home, <laughs> home of the fine bison. What uh? What state is Bucknell in? It's New York. <laughs> I don't know where in New York, but it's up there somewhere. <laughs> That's what she... Bucknell is in New York. That there's nothing better to close with than that. When people <laughs> listen to part 10 of this podcast... That's, uh, that's what I want them to leave, to leave with. Bucknell is in New York. I'll, uh, I'll pull the clip up and, and post something <laughs> for you, for sure. Well, uh, anyways, that's our show for tonight. Thank you for being on tonight, Tim. Hopefully I'll talk to you before these next seven years are up. And thanks for being Probably on the Rivers. And I'll, Probably uh, not. I'll chop this up as well as I can. Thanks, guys. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.